0: Well, Mookie Betts got to thirty thirty. I don't know why we're gonna start off with that. There's a whole lot of baseball news, but that's the first <laughs> thing that I put down in the outline. How important is that for fantasy?
1: It's so it's not important at all for a keeper league because it doesn't change his valuation people own it and people that already own him. Does it move him into the top one or two picks is is the real question. And I think the answer is Yes, but he might have already been there. He was already there, and I think it has to do more with
0: Altuve falling out of yeah. the top five than it has to do with Mookie Betts clawing clawing his way into the top five because he was already in the top five. And then Goldie falling
1: off. This we're gonna get some we're gonna get some more flack for this, but Jose Ramirez versus Mookie Betts here because Jose Ramirez is also thirty
0: thirty. Yeah, I mean, I just the thing that I have in ranking players would be the track record, and Mookie Betts has a longer track record of this performance, and Jose Ramirez had an amazing year after three, two really solid years. I know
1: Jose Ramirez is young, but you never know with these guys. Are you worried about injuries with Betts? I mean, uh, Ramirez played 20 more games than Betts did.
0: No, because the Red Sox were Hundred plus win team, so they had the luxury <laughs> of being able to sit players when they needed to sit players instead of having to play them.
1: But this, I mean, but that's going to be true, presumably, for the next few years for the Red Sox as well. They're so also is,
0: going to be in the Yankees division, so I'm who who are going to be another juggernaut.
1: Other guys who had a shot at thirty thirty, nobody else reached it. It was just Jose Ramirez. Other guys with a shot at thirty thirty. Um, You know, you've got Trevor Story, three stolen bases, three stolen bases short. Lindor is five stolen bases short. Um, Mike Trout is six stolen bases short. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are in that. There's a few guys in that range. And then, you know, nobody else really hits that threat. A lot of guys hit 2020 this year, though.
0: A lot of 2020s.
1: Um, Man, there are a lot of 2020s.
0: I know. I really like 2020
1: players you know cuz
0: they're just not it's not quite as sexy Timmy as... Anderson
1: hit 2020 how about that woof wow he had a 5% walk rate <laughs> that's amazing that is crazy
0: <laughs> Starlin Marte did
1: 2030 yeah that's a i i like the the back the backwards ones Trey Turner was almost at 2040 <laughs> yeah what Merrifield was at 1040 yeah, how about that? What a club. Ten,
0: The <laughs> ten forty players. Actually, when you can get over 10 home runs and over, what, 35 stolen bases, that's a really valuable player.
1: Well, fantasy-wise, 10 home runs is, is one home run every three weeks, right? Right, I guess so. Um, all right, so
0: do we want to put a board bet down for Mookie Betts versus Jose Ramirez? Let's get into the mode that we're going to have to be in, which is drafting. So okay, let's who's going ADP? to be yeah who who do you think is going to be um
1: the lower as in better draft pick Jose Ramirez is going to be picked earlier on ADP Gosh. all right okay i'll take mookie bets let me just say i would pick mookie bets first <laughs> you would pick mookie first i think that adp it's hard to get away from those numbers all right and now
0: the statistical
1: anomaly that is chris davis how how is this possible like just statistically how is this possible he has hit exactly 247 for 4 years in a row <laughs> it's astounding how is that possible
0: it is astounding that's that uh, that is insanely consistent it's more consistent than um Adam Dunn hitting 40 home runs like those like four or five years in a row, exactly 40 home runs or whatever it was.
1: And the thing is, is that like 2014, he hit 244. So it's first not full like season. he was that different.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was his first full season.
1: But it's kind of it's, it's interesting because his, his Babbitt bounces around a fair amount. Like he was 30 points lower in Babbitt this year and exactly mm-hmm. the same batting average. But his
0: home run numbers have gone up and up and up and up.
1: I know. I know. It's, it's very interesting. All right. This week on the pod, we are going to talk about the graphical goal that we set up for last week and the progress that we made on it. <laughs> and then in the second half, we're going to just kick around some stuff from the season, talk about some things that we think that we learned about fantasy from the year. So here we go. All right, we'll keep this short and sweet because I want people to actually go and look at it. But we put graphics on our website.
0: Whoa, well, oh, our website,
1: yeah. They are they are not remotely findable without the links. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are they are not exposed to the outside world. I don't think you're going to be able to Google and get to these. Although maybe you will. No. It'd be pretty funny if you could. If you could, that would be
0: astounding. I didn't yeah, try. so he didn't try. So you created two. Two pretty cool dra- graphics because they're interactive. We've got strikeouts on the rise. So you replicated the, um, the um, graphic that we talked about last week. Then you've got run differential versus game number by team. Which one are you more proud of?
1: Definitely the run differential. In part because the strikeouts on the rise, I know what it could have become given what the New York Times did. And I know Mm -hmm. what I made. (laughs) And it's like, it's like fine, (laughs) you know. It's fine. It does the thing that you expect it to, but it doesn't look very good. It doesn't do too much. I mean, admittedly, the other one doesn't do, doesn't do that much, but I'm happier with the, I'm happier that they're buttons. So the run differential looks at, looks, this is, this is actually an update of what we talked about last week, which was we were talking about how do we display the run differential, so I took that and I sat on sat on that thought for a little while, and kicked around. Okay, well, if we could make it interactive so that you can click on any one of these teams and see how their run differential changed over mm-hmm. the year, that that would be pretty cool. And then you can you can sort of you know by eye compare how they did. So if you say wanted to look at how did the Astros do versus the uh, the Red Sox, you could click on the Astros and then click on the Red Sox, and you would see the the animation would change how they did over time. As with anything that is incredibly user friendly from the front, there's a ton of back end stuff that you don't fully understand in it. In D3, this the JavaScript library is so much like that. There's a million things going on under the hood that you have to figure out. Like, well, how does it actually remove the words when you when your mouse exits the point? <laughs>
0: right it's the whole whole problem of thick client versus thin client oh, how much man. do you have the web browser do versus how much do you have the back end server doing
1: this guy um but i would i mean i would love some some feedback on this there's no guarantee that i can do what you're requesting as opposed to like in Python, I feel like if you tell me what your <laughs> yeah. vision is, I can eventually replicate it. Like I know enough right, to know what get terms to search for to find the Google results to do it. Absolutely. I do not know that on D3. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, something will happen. I might be able to do it.
0: I know. I hate that. Learning a whole new language, essentially.
1: Wait, that's exactly what we're doing, learning, trying to learn a whole new language. Yeah, we barely we have the the small update of like already knowing a bunch of languages and uh having some idea of graphical principles, but that's about it. Yeah, it's almost like we're we're babes in the wood here. <laughs> so I did like I did notice a few things in strikeouts on the rise from the New York Times um graphic, which was that they they go in and, and reprocess a bunch of this data so that teams are fixed over time. Like for instance, the the teams in 1901 are totally different names in our graphic than the New York Times. Equivalent. Oh, yeah, that's really hard. That that we
0: one of the things that we struggle with a lot, and that we struggled with a lot in season zero and season one, was data cleaning. And I think that we we're, we're definitely better at figuring out now like how much data and cleaning do we do, and how do we avoid data cleaning as much as possible, and. That's a huge.
1: That's a huge pro- problem. The Boston Braves versus the Atlanta Braves. I don't actually know how to write a JavaScript translator. I don't. No. I don't even. I don't even know how to write a for loop yet in JavaScript. So, like, just to give you a sense of where we're at in coding level.
0: I know it, it's. <laughs> shoot, yeah, for loops. <laughs> when I was learning R, one of the things that um, the person that was teaching me said was, "If you're iterating, then you're." probably doing it wrong <laughs> at the start <laughs> because everything there. are i mean there are say packages for everything and it, they don't really really use iterations the way, way that
1: python does no i think that's true i i mean i know that there are i know that d3 hides all the iterators from you so i just have to figure out how to uh, get to the point where it hides the iterators from me. I, like, I sound so stupid. I don't know anything about this language. <laughs> like I don't even know how to talk about it well.
0: <laughs> JavaScript. <laughs> I know everyone who's done a little bit of uh, web programming has done a little bit of JavaScript to just like do some heavy lifting, to yep. do some of the heavy HTML lifting, but whew, there's so much to learn. And it's I, not a very... It's not an elegant language. No, it is.
1: Oh, it's so clunky. I think... so. I will say, despite all of that, I actually think that these graphics are kind of cool and a the certainly a better way to display run differential than the morass I showed you last week. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, this is, these will be posted on the website so that people can
1: uh, take a look and um, give us your feedback. And the code is available. Code is available. You only have to get to our website, which is hosted on which is hosted on GitHub. You only have to get to the website repository and you can see all this code. You can steal all the code if you want. You can borrow all the code. I don't care. You should use it. As with anything that's ever made open source, there's always a moment of fear right before you release it. Here's our discussion about ours. How are my comments in it? I better, I'm better. i going to check that before <laughs> we tell everybody to go look at it.
0: <laughs> Just make sure that it's at least PG-13 rated. <laughs>
1: Well, I think I think it's more like did I correctly attribute all of the people that I stole from?
0: Mm, <laughs>
1: right, that's always hard. That's I me. hardly ever do. So we have another whole baseball season in the books. That's a lot of data that we just accumulated. A, a whole lot of data. <laughs> yeah, most and, definitely. Uh, and frankly, we can scrape it all now. All of it.
0: We are so much better at scraping than we had been <laughs> in, in seasons past.
1: It is crazy how much more sophisticated our scrapers have gotten. And I feel a little bit bad, you know, given what we just talked about in the first half, that we haven't released any of that to the, to the wider world. But I think we'll get there. Mm. We'll get there. I mean, everyone can, they can get their data the way, however they want to. Well, I mean, I have a 2018 repository. I've just never checked it in. yeah i know what you mean but scraping taught me a lot about accessing different players and showed me a ton of things that i didn't that i just hadn't thought about in previous years how do you how do you mean you want to elaborate to me the big thing that we really worked on this year that manifested itself in how we looked at the mlb was strategy Yes. So we kicked off the year talking about what to do if your team doesn't accumulate certain stats, every stat, we went through all 10 in a standard five by five. And that exposed right. us to players that we frankly had not thought about before.
0: Yeah. And it's very, when you're looking in the season for adding players or trading for players or just evaluating players, you end up looking at their current rankings,
1: mm-hmm.
0: their player rater scores, except etc but what you don't what it's really hard to look at is well how is this player you know i really need runs and home runs like how do i how do i do that because as soon as you're you're filtering one column then you're filtering another column and then you're like trying to extrapolate etc as soon as you do that the question goes from being complicated to complex And that was some of our that was some of our key work was to say, well, we can do this.
1: And we we can scrape these players,
0: we can find them, we can put them together, we can identify like players and, um, you know, help you target ones that you want.
1: And I like that how we worked on that through the visualization or through algorithm club, excuse me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we we really pushed ourselves in Algorithm Club to to try and uh, think outside the box. And Algorithm Club in particular exposed us to players that I think we just had not thought about before.
0: Yeah, what our listeners don't get to see is our uh, texts back and forth. They're <laughs> like, who the F is this guy?
1: <laughs> yeah, and they, they come for a variety of reasons. Like maybe their name is formatted weird across ESPN and Fangraphs mm-hmm. or, or CBS. <laughs>
0: Or when you extrapolate, like like uh-huh. a lot of times what happened is we try to normalize to like 600 at-bats or 300 innings. And like all of a sudden when you're looking at it, you're like, who the heck is this guy? This guy is amazing. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay. Well, he's a raise. Um, he's a Starter. raise. We... Yeah, he's a raise start reliefer yeah start reliever, and <laughs> you know, i like oh there you go that that makes total sense and it makes total sense why they're using that because these guys are being wildly successful having huge k rates you know and we wouldn't see those guys
1: if it weren't for some
0: of the methods that, that we
1: put together yeah another thing that i learned personally this year is that you do much better in fantasy if you have a top five player absolutely absolutely yeah christian yelich is who i'm talking about he is i i mean i don't even know he is my only top legitimate top 60 player <laughs> i think and he's and he's top five all right so wait a quick aside go ahead we taught we were excited
0: about him moving to milwaukee before the season because he was out of miami which for ballpark reasons for roster reasons for just you know giving a shit reasons yeah. um it was a great great move it's just you know in the three letter um <laughs> acronym mil and mia are very very close to each other but worlds <laughs> apart
1: it's true so that's actually a, you know a really good lesson for us to pull out is that that guys who move during the off season deserve a good look a good hard look at how that's going to affect them right and uh,
0: who's the the guy in the player right radar right behind the Christian who is it i don't know
1: jd martinez jd martinez yeah so, right. so another another change of scenery you know put put somebody in a stacked lineup like well oh, it's it's going to going to do them some good
0: i am concerned that people are going to overcorrect on anybody in particular on on players moving
1: and it being like a seeming like a really good fit yeah, I agree. I mean, this is this is the type of thing why some of these early season predictions are are just just that like simple predictions because you don't know how managers are going to use them in particular. I mean, that's that's something that that is really interesting. Christian Yelich fell into something where they decided to use him in just the perfect way for him to be used. And, it's the way that he's been needed to be used his entire career. Yep. And the same thing yeah. is true for J.D. Martinez. Like, if you put guys on base in front of him, <laughs> he's going to do amazing things for you. Give him a little bit of lineup protection behind him. Yes. Yeah. Don't
0: make him play in the outfield every single day. As much yep. as he complained about that before the season,
1: looked like a really smart move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just say 130 RBIs. Remember when we were doing the RBI predictions and my predictor came up oh, with 130 yeah. and we were like... There's no way. No one's ever going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, on uh, yeah, this MLB. <laughs> was, on. It was was not wrong, actually. You know what prediction
0: I never would have made at the beginning of the year? Go for 14. it. 14. That's the number
1: of stolen bases Manny Machado had. Given that... <laughs> given how many stolen bases he demonstrably did not want to steal in previous years, that mm-hmm. is amazing. It is. I also learned from our like you know, our little work on Visualization Club that accurately <laughs> that like visualizing something well exposed me to players that I didn't know were going to be important. And I'm thinking specifically about relievers in this case. Is that how you came
0: up with Edwin Diaz?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was all about that the thing that we talked about last year with the the way that that closer's pitch. It's um that's also how I I said
0: I need to have Josh Hader.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, and Josh Hader. Josh Hader yesterday. Did you see his performance yesterday? Wish that it had counted for uh, TGFBI. He threw yeah, his he's... he threw his four hardest pitches of the year yesterday. He is good. <laughs> he is good. He is good. What do you think about Blake Snell making the leap?
0: Do you think he can do it two years in a row?
1: Yeah, that's that's actually my question. Do you think it's do you actually think it's a leap, or was he just lucky this whole year?
0: Oh, I don't think that he was lucky the whole year, but I think that there's you have players that are perennial. Okay, starting pitchers. You have perennial guys who are up there: Max Scherzer, um, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale. They're guys that are always. Um, up at the top. And even like Zach Greinke is very, very consistently a um, top, (laughs) top 15, top 20 pitcher. Um, But then you have the guys who have a really good year and then don't have a very good year and then have a very good year and then don't like, I mean, like Porcello is a great example. Yeah. Uh, There have been a lot of guys over the last couple of years that have had really good years and have, you know, everything says that it was a legitimate year and then they can't do it the next year.
1: Yeah, Porcello is the is the canonical example in that case. And I, of course, you know, way overpaid for Porcello the year after. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so who would be, let's see, who would be my fearful overpay this year? It's probably Blake Snell. Would you do Blake Snell? I think Blake Snell because I think everybody, Oh, I no. actually. I think- know who your guy is, Patrick Corbin. No, because Patrick Corbin, you don't think... Okay, well, yes, I completely agree in that case because I was just about to yell at you that I think Patrick Corbin is legit. (laughs) (laughs) And then I I stopped myself like, I'm about to prove his point. Wait, that's exactly
0: what Eric wanted you to say.
1: (laughs) I just want to say that I do think Patrick Corbin is legit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Uh, Herman Marquez?
1: Dang it. No, I don't believe in Herman.
0: I don't. There look at how many guys had 200 Ks this year. So
1: different I from last year. I know. I know. I mean, but a lot of guys also the durability. I mean, look how many guys had 200 innings this year.
0: I know. Very very I I think I think that um you know, as much as a lot of baseball pundits are like really upset at you know uh, um starting pitchers getting pulled earlier, I think that they're fig- that managers are figuring it out. Yeah. or whoever the manager has hired to control um, pitch counts has has figured it out because there are, you know, Aaron Nola, 212, Corey Kluber, 215, uh, Mike Clevenger got up to 200, Zach Grinke got to 200. I mean, these are, okay, the three guys that I want to know about for next year. I mean, Herman Marquez, out of there. Don't, like, I, I think a lot of people are going to start being really excited about him. but Oh, don't. yeah. Yeah. Um, The three guys that I want to know about for next year, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola, and Garrett Cole, all one, two, three, four,
1: all top 10 guys. So they are all top 10 guys. Yeah. If you sort by XFIP for whatever stake you put into XFIP, Uh DeGrom is number one of all the pitchers this year. Cole yep. is number 5, Nola is number 12, which I think is which I think is mentally where I would put them as well. The thing that I fear for with every Mets pitcher is injuries. And so Absolutely. and if DeGrom DeGrom comes out and pitched 217 innings this year, if he can do that again, I don't see why he isn't a top 5 pitcher although he's never going to give you wins cuz he's on the Mets. <laughs>
0: Right, he was the guy, and, but he's been the most consistent one of them, I would say. Well, I guess he's had two 140-inning yeah, uh, seasons. Next year is probably going to be an offseason. I think of Cole as the most we-know-who-he-is of this list. Mm-hmm. And he's going to, we know who he is, and that's a top-20 pitcher, not yeah. a top-10 pitcher. I
1: think. I think, Nola has, I think Nola has the highest ceiling of the three. But I, I also think he has the lowest floor. Like, I would say, Nola, highest ceiling, lowest floor. Sure. DeGrom, slightly lower ceiling, slightly higher floor. And Garrett Cole's, like, living in a crawl space. Like, you know what it's going to be. <laughs> He's living in a crawl space.
0: Okay. I, I kind of agree with you there. Dude, Jacob DeGrom, we saw his best season. And it wasn't quite enough. It wasn't yeah. enough to to, um, push a Bestardo strategy. I used him for my Bestardo strategy in TGFBI, (laughs) and he was 10 wins short of what I needed for that guy to be.
1: Otherwise, he was amazing. 10 wins short is right. Yeah, wrong team. Now, DeGrom is the type of guy that if he was on the... Red Sox? I don't know. Red Sox? Let's keep keep him in the National League so that he can face pitchers. Um, You put him on like a Nationals team that actually achieves what they're supposed to. Milwaukee? Put him in Milwaukee? Oh wow he'd be really good in Milwaukee. That ballpark? (sighs) Oh man. Now I'm just excited about that. We should just come up with some, uh, some desired trades later. Just send everyone to Milwaukee. I mean you could do a lot worse than putting everybody in Milwaukee. You about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Uh, you want to talk about sending off these, these two elder statesmen of baseball? David Wright and Joe Maurer, looking like it's the
0: end of the road for both of them. Probably three seasons too late for both of them. Yeah, well, the difference between the two of them is David Wright couldn't stay on the field. Yeah. And that was problematic for the Mets because they assumed every single year that he was going to stay on the field. I think
1: the problem was that Joe Maurer could stay on the field. Exactly. That was the problem with
0: Joe Maurer is he blocked a lot of players and he was playing first base. He, if he was a catcher this entire time, I don't think anyone in Minnesota would have been upset. Who deserves a better send off from their team, David Wright or Joe Maurer? I think that it's, um, I think it's Joe Maurer. I think Joe Maurer gave more and the team was more interesting with him.
1: I think the team worked way harder to have him break records. Yeah. <laughs> true the most uh, that's also true the most arbitrary ones possible so what role do the twins transition him into because they can't get rid of him.
0: scouting i would say that it, i would say he'd probably be a pretty good scout he can't be in a i don't think he's a coach
1: i don't think that he's a talking head <sighs> he's definitely not a talking head have you heard him talk Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know as well as i do he's yeah, not absolutely. a talking head
0: all right that about brings us to the review session Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban.
1: This movie is fantastic.
0: This was a great movie. This was a great movie. I mean, this is what allowed the series to be a series. Because those first yes. two movies after movie number two was like, oh, these movies aren't very
1: good. Yeah. Like, are we just going to go through the motions for six more movies? Like, ooh, yeah. this is going to be painful. Um, A lot of slapstick stuff. More slapstick than I remembered in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, people getting hit and
1: people falling down i think a top three soundtrack for the movies
0: very good soundtrack yes indeed though it steals a lot from other other uh fantasy soundtracks
1: well i mean yeah it's it's like eventually john williams had to run out of some ideas right because this this is still john williams at this point
0: yeah, what else? I like that it was, like, a little bit darker, but not not too dark.
1: I think it was the appropriate pivot, and this is the first time that you can really see the three main actors as the people that they're going to become.
0: Yeah, exactly. You can see the roles, and you can see that they've decided, kind of, um, that they can't rely on Ron. Yes. The actor.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they did not take any liberties to get him into more shots. <laughs>
0: no no and this movie took a lot of it it was inventive in the way that it um chopped up the book because the book is much longer
1: right this that is true this is this is the first time i mean people forget because book four is so huge that book Mm -hmm. three is big compared to one and two
0: yeah exactly it's 150 percent the size of the first two
1: yeah so much more goes into it but Great movie. It's a great movie.
0: Great movie. Good director. I, yeah. I sent you that. I, I just looked up what else he had done because I was like, this is a good director. Yeah, of course. He did Gravity. He yeah. did um, Children of Men. And he did um, A Little Princess.
1: <laughs> really interesting. Really interesting body of work. And Absolutely. the other thing that I'd forgotten, I mean, I knew this somewhere in my head, but this movie came out in 2004. I know. I think there's legit also a chance that I haven't seen it since 2008.
0: I've seen it more recently than that, but it was in a fog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I I remembered shockingly. I remembered all of it, but I could not tell you what was coming next or like how the scenes would be shot. I mean, obviously I know the whole story, so that helps me. But I couldn't yeah. tell you like what order all the scenes were going to be in even though i knew them when they were happening
0: no like the Bogart comes so early and i think that's such a pivotal scene
1: yes well you get to the start of the the what's going to become the time turner sequence and there's still an hour left in the movie
0: (laughs) oh i know there's so much left in the movie Okay. okay you ready for for the movie for next week
1: Do you do you get the same sort of nervous feeling right before we announce it every week? (laughs) I do I do.
0: And half the time I like change it like last (laughs) second, I'm like, all right, no, I gotta do this. All right, tell me. Truman show. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is gonna be it's just I think it's a huge movie for people of our age.
1: Man, what a movie. What a movie. What a movie.
0: All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're luck to you, buddy.
1: we of luck to you, too. Yeah.